Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everyone. Before we start today's show, we want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Galasso Kits. Go to GalassoKits.com to see their wide catalog of jerseys and merchandise from teams around the globe. When you find something you like, make sure you use promo code REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order. That's promo code REVSRECAP at checkout for 15% off your order at GalassoKits.com. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at The Rebellion. If you're interested in learning more about The Rebellion or interested in joining, please go check out anyrebellion.org for more information. You can also follow them on Instagram or on Twitter at anyrebellion. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We are coming to you with a special midweek emergency podcast because the Revolution have released their uh, salary data. Well, MLSPA has released their salary data. So, of course, we have to dive into the numbers and get real MLS salary nerd about it and come to you with a special podcast today. So uh, just a programming note, we are going to be unable to do a podcast this weekend. So consider this to be your podcast for the week. Uh, I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today is Chris Velukas. Chris, how you doing? Uh, doing great. Taking a quick break from building a, a, a pop-up garage. So this is much better than doing that. Um, yeah, doing well. Thanks. How better to spend a break than to go over MLS salary numbers and trying to figure out MLS roster rules? I can't think of a better way. I, it's it's really brings joy to your day. Uh, and also joining us is Sean Donahue. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm good. I've been waiting a long time for these salaries to come out, so I'm excited to dig in and digest them. It always comes out mid-May, and I was actually thinking on Monday or Tuesday, I said, boy, we're really close to salary day. That's one of my favorite days of the year. Uh, so, I, and, and another thing, too, that's exciting, the Three Amigos back in the podcast. We haven't done this in a while, so I'm very, very excited to uh, kind of hop into this. But let, let's hop into this data. Sean, um, what was your key takeaway from the salary numbers being released? Yeah, I mean, they're not a whole lot of surprises. Um, you know, the, the out-the-door number jumps out because, you know, he's he's shown as guaranteed comp being fifth highest in the league at $4.26 million. Um, but we know he's not a designated player for the Revs. We know he's on a, a TAM deal, and, you know, Jeff Carlisle reported he was making $5 million over three years. Um, so we don't really it's, – it's hard to – figure out exactly what that means for the revolution, giving Toronto's picking up some of a salary and some of that's buyout money. Um, so at, that part's frustrating because I'd like to have you know better, better sense of what the Rebs are actually paying for him. Cause I mean, whatever amount they're paying for him right now, he's not, he's not living up to that contribution because he's been missing games and hasn't been fit and now is out with soreness. Um, but the real one that stands out is the one I've been waiting for all off season because we, you know, there's, there's no caveats on this one is Omar Gonzalez and his guaranteed comp being $450,000 and the highest paid defender on the revolution and the eighth highest paid player on the revolution. This doesn't surprise me. If you've, you know, if you've listened to our podcast in the past, he was making what 900,000 close to that last year. Um, I didn't think he was going to take much more than a 50% pay cut. And I think if you thought he was going to take much more than a 50% pay cut, you were probably weren't particularly realistic. Um, so this doesn't surprise me, but it is, you know, kind of shocking to see on paper. Yeah. Last year he was at 780,000 base, 1.05 million guaranteed comp. So, you know, it's a significant pay cut for him, but, 
Uh, I think any salary based on his contributions to the Revs this year was too high. And to see him as the highest paid defender on the Revolution um, was probably pretty frustrating for a guy like Andrew Farrell, uh, who you know, has played so well for the Revolution over the past few years and been an Iron Man for the team and you know, is one of their most key key players back there. To see Omar Gonzalez costing the Revolution points um, and making $450,000 uh, it's got to be pretty frustrating, and it, it's you know unquestionably a bad contract. We can talk about Altidore more later because there's a lot of unknowns there, but I think there's no doubt in my mind that Omar Gonzalez making $450,000 and having a two-year deal uh, looks really, really bad right now. I, I was just going to say, I actually was a little bit surprised because you know, I, I was reminded last week that this was a two-year contract, and I thought, you know, Omar Gonzalez is getting up there. He didn't play particularly well last season. Maybe this is a multiple-year deal where he's taking a heavier pay cut. He's accepting his role as a backup. I don't think anyone expected Omar Gonzalez to come in and be a starter. But if you look at this contract, it's starter money. Uh, $450,000, well, four twenty-five in salary, 450000 in compensation. That's starter money. He's the highest-paid defender on the Revolution. Uh, Brandon Bay signed an extension last year. Uh, he's making three forty-four in total compensation. Dewan Jones is making 370 in total compensation. Um, you mentioned Andrew Farrell. He's making 444 in total compensation. Uh, so those are the numbers that the, uh, I'll say, the starters who have recently signed contracts are making. Uh, for Omar Gonzalez to come in to be fitted for a backup role and to make more than them doesn't really make a lot of sense to me um, to, to why that number was there. And, and you, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's about 50% of what he made last year. I, I just don't understand that signing from the revolution's perspective. So uh, Chris, any thoughts on Omar Gonzalez before we get to your key takeaway? You know, honestly, I think I was just a little bit surprised that it, w- it was a bit lower than what I was expecting it to be. I thought Omar's going to come in with this, you know, wealth of experience and he's got uh, quite a bit of accolades to his name. Uh, so I thought he'd be asking for a little bit more money um, to come in, especially in a role that maybe he didn't necessarily want to be in. It's going to be a good team. You know, he, he wants to win. So obviously that played a part in him coming to new England. Bruce played a big part in him coming here, but I thought that he was going to be asking for quite a bit more. I expected the number to be closer to 600. Um, so I'm a bit relieved that I was that far off base. Um, but 450, I think is still far too much. I mean, that's this, you know, beating the dead horse on that statement there. It, it, it's just far too much for any backup um, of any level, just let alone one that's been costing the Revs so many points. But uh, yeah, that's I think that's my my takeaway on Omar. My key takeaway, I guess, from looking at the at the numbers, I was actually just surprised a little bit further down the list. I was looking at Justin Rennix and I saw that he's at 120. I don't know if I realized that that's what he was making, and I thought that was kind of odd uh, that's his guaranteed comp his base salary is 110 i mean good for the kid for making some money uh i just don't know what he's shown to this point to say that maybe he deserves that sort of contract maybe he develops into that player that actually deserves that or deserves more but um that's the one that stood out to me as maybe like a different a, a different um perspective I, I trying to avoid the obvious ones i guess that we've all been talking about with wilford captoom of course, Omar, the Josies. Uh, digging a little deeper, I think the Justin Rennick's contract really surprised me. Well, some additional context here, though, and I think long-term listeners will 
know kind of the nerdy inside baseball of the Justin Rennicks and the homegrown players of the world. But Justin Rennicks is currently occupying a supplemental roster spot. Um, he is by far the highest paid player on the supplemental roster spot at 110 salary, 120 total compensation. No one else on the supplemental roster is making more than $84,000. Uh, so that does kind of stand out. But the additional context here, I would say, is that Justin Rennicks signed this contract a long time ago, pre-2019. So we're going back to the Brad Friedel era. Uh, and it seems like his contract has increased about $10,000 every single year. So in 2020, uh, he was at 90 and 100,000. In 2021, he was at 100 and 110,000. Uh, and this year, he's up to 110 and 120,000. Uh, and because he's a homegrown player, his, uh, his contract does not mm-hmm. count against the salary cap. So it does strike you as a bit of an overpay um, in, in those terms. You know, I, I think Dewan Jones made $100,000 last year and Justin Rennox was making just as much uh, playing at Revs too. But with that all being said, he doesn't count against the cap. So I think there is an incentive for the Revs to hang on to him on his roster, extending option after option after option. Uh, I do think pre-2019, we, we don't know the length of his contract, but if you do the math out, this is the fourth year of his contract. They exercised an option last year. I don't know if they uh, exercised an option the year before that. Uh, no, they didn't. He was he was under contract and then uh, for 2021, and then coming into 2022, they, they exercised an option. Um, I don't know how if they have more options after the end of this. I don't know if this is a contract year for Justin Rennicks, um, but I, I think that's a really, really important person to kind of look at at the bottom of that roster, because right now there's only one supplemental roster spot open, uh, and you can kind of expect the Revs to kind of continue to promote Revs to Academy products. And so I think Justin Justin Rennix might be on the hot seat a little bit. I think this might be a show-me year for him, uh, because will the Revs bring him back and maybe move him to the senior roster and give him a you know, 140, 150 contract, or, or even that contract at 120 as it is right now, if it's counting against the salary cap? Uh, I'm, I'm not totally sure. So, uh, Sean, any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by that number because, like you said, it, it doesn't count against the cap. Um, and it was a contract. I think he was, you know, paid based on what the expectations for him were, and he, he hasn't lived up to those expectations yet, even though he has, you know, performed a little bit better this year. But that that one didn't surprise me too much. And you know, with the context that doesn't count against the salary cap, um, you know, it's it, it's it's not a big deal. But yeah, I mean, if you outside of the context that doesn't count against the salary cap, when you see he's making you know, forty thousand more than. John Bell, who actually played a lot of minutes last year, or Rivera, who I think is, you know, also not counting as a salary cap and a homegrown and, you know, I think outperformed Brunix when he's had the chance this year. Um, you know, not not a great deal. Uh, but again, no no salary cap hit. So it's not doesn't doesn't matter too much. I should correct myself, too. I said there was one supplemental roster spot open. There's actually two. The Revs have loaned Edward Kizza uh, to Memphis for the season, so they do get that supplemental roster spot back, uh, and they do get his international roster spot back, which is uh, very important. But while we're talking about the bottom of the roster before we get into the good stuff, there was one big surprise for me, and that is that Esmir, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his, his last name, but for the people that follow Revs 2 and the Revs Academy, they, they've heard of Esmir, uh, potentially the the best prospect the revolution have um, for whatever reason he was on this list too he's listed as having a salary of 65.5 and total compensation of 71.559 that is in line with all of the other homegrown players that have signed Noel Buck is at 65.5 salary and total compensation Ryan Spaulding Jacob Jackson are at those same exact numbers um, so it, it seems to me that either he, he doesn't have a first team contract we've never gotten an, a a press release that he's been signed to a first team contract. Um, but for whatever reason, he's listed 
on the salary list. And I don't know if this is has to do with MLS Next Pro, if you make a certain amount, if you have to be listed with the MLSPA numbers, if he's a, a member of the MLSPA for some reason. Um, I, 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 there must be some sort of rule to why he's included. Uh, but the Revs do have two spots on the supplemental roster. They could fit him on there and list him if he does have a first-team contract. Um, but he, he isn't. He isn't on there, but he's on this list. So, um, Sean, any theories to why uh, Esmir is on this list here? No, and I, I think it, there's a lot we don't know about MLS Next Pro and the the roster rules of that. So I, I'm curious to to find out what's going on here. I, I have some vague recollection that we saw something like this, you know, many years ago, and then it was announced later that um, you know they actually had signed someone. So maybe we'll find out that the Revolution are you know about to sign them and just haven't announced it yet. But um, it's 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 hard to say, and I, I wish we had more you know transparency into what the roster rules are for MLS Next Pro and how that's all working because I, I feel like we had we did have more knowledge of how it worked with you know when it was a USL um USL team for Revs 2 and now you know now that it's been taken over by MLS we don't really have a lot of knowledge of how those roster spots are working and how that roster rule is working but it was very surprising to see him you know listed on the the first team salary list um and I, I don't know what it means you know, you saying that there's the chance that possibly they've already signed him and it just hasn't been announced yet. If that happened, it would have had to have been before April 15th. That's when the cutoff was for this list from the MLSPA. So that would be sitting on it for over a month. I, I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily a likely scenario, but I, I guess possibly. Um, it, it, it is very interesting and, and just bizarre to see a player that's not signed with the team on this, on this list. So uh, I, I'm scratching my head around it, too. I don't think I've ever seen this before, uh, and I can't say that I look at every single teams and, and dive into all their other teams and if there's any reason for this. But um, I know Tanner Rabello of the Trifecta Network uh, sent an email to comms uh, asking for kind of an explanation on this. So maybe we'll get one later this week, uh, but uh, I'm a little confused. Maybe there's some sort of pre-contract he signed. Uh, maybe he's not eligible for a, a a first team contract for some reason. And so he's on a pre-contract. I'm not sure. I, I think this is a good sign though, that eventually we will see him added to the first team roster uh, somewhere down the line. So um, Chris, let me go to you. To, uh, I know we've kind of talked over our reactions. I know we've uh, talked about uh, Renix. Uh, we've talked about Omar Gonzalez a little bit. Is there anyone else on this list that you think is a uh, good or a bad contract that kind of surprised you a little bit? Uh, I'll go to a good contract. I think Henry Kessler. I think that's a very team-friendly contract that he's on right now. He's uh, arguably the best defender that the Revs have, uh, and he's sitting there guaranteed compensation at 170, uh, base salary 150. I don't think that's going to last for long. Uh, Henry Kessler deserves to be making quite a bit more. So, for the team's sake, I think that's that's a very good good contract. Um, other than that, I think uh, just the Wilford Captoon contract is still something that really sticks out to me as uh, as an eyesore. Uh, 582 is his guaranteed compensation. Uh, 525 base salary. That's a lot of money for someone that's not getting many minutes at all. Uh, and when he does get minutes, I don't think he's necessarily making the best of it. So, I mean, kind of similar to the, to the Omar situation, that's over a million dollars that's just being thrown away, essentially. Um, so those two combined uh, are real head scratchers. But the Henry Kessler one... At least you got some value somewhere. Yeah, and just for some additional context, too, uh, Henry Kessler, in his first two years in the league, he made 81000 in salary, then 95000 and now he's up to one fifty. Um, and he also moved from the supplemental roster to the senior roster. And going back to the um, expansion draft, I know there was a lot of confusion because the Revs 
you know, we did the math out and we only figured out that they protected 11 guys. And it came out later that Henry Kessler was the 12th man protected because he lost his generation Adidas status. Um, To me, jumping from 81 to 95, then to 150 kind of indicates to me that there might have been some extension or something that, um, you know, something has been worked out uh, that has moved him to the senior roster. A a new contract is, is, probably been made there because uh, as I say normally on your rookie contract it doesn't jump $55,000 in salary uh, mm-hmm. and you don't move to the senior roster and lose your generation Adidas status so I, I didn't find a announcement on that uh, but I would imagine that Henry Kessler has signed a contract extension and for whatever reason hasn't made, been made public so uh, but agree with that Henry Kessler probably the best value on the revs Wolfer Captoom arguably the worst uh, value on the revs I, I kind of agree with both those points I will say uh, Henry Kessler is still listed as a generation Adidas player on uh, MLSsoccer.com. Although I think we all know how uh, how up to date they keep their their player stats. So take that with a grain of salt. I just wonder with Kessler if there was some sort of trigger in his GA contract that when you're promoted to the senior roster that you know you're getting this this sort of raise in your contract. Because if, if he did sign a new contract, he needs to fire his agent because he should be bidding a lot more than 170 thousand. I mean the guy has a national team call up. So I I don't think he signed a new contract. I think there was some sort of trigger in there that you know your third year if you're promoted to the regular roster because you you don't have to sign a new contract to get promoted to the senior roster or um, or to get promoted off a of generation Adidas, they do that automatically if you play a certain number of minutes or make a certain number of appearances, something like that. So my, that's my guess is that there was some sort of trigger in there. Um, because, because, again, if, if that was a contract extension, he needs to fire his agent. Yeah, that's, that's a good context to know as well. Um, yeah, Sean, best value, worst value, anyone else stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, a few things stand out to you. Matt Polster, um, I mean, this isn't shocking because we knew last year he was on 300000 328 guaranteed. Um, but his contract as, you know, a key player for the revolution and as a veteran um, that's you know, played internationally and, and played over in Scotland, uh, the fact that they're getting him for 353000 guaranteed, 325 base is, is an absolute steal given his contributions to the revolution. Um, even though I would say he started the season maybe not playing quite as well as last year. Uh, that's a, a huge, a huge deal for the revolution. You don't usually get defensive midfielders playing at his level for anywhere near that value. So that that's a great contract for the revolution. Um, and it was a great contract for them last year too. And kind of makes up for some of the bad contracts he talked about, like, like Captoom, um, which again, isn't surprising because we saw what he got last year. And then the other one that stood out to me is, uh, Petrovic only on 225,000. Um, I kind of expected him to be on a larger contract. Of course, that's not a salary cap hit because they paid a transfer fee. So the, the salary cap hit is probably far higher than that. Um, and we have no idea what that transfer fee is, I think. Um, but 225000 is is kind of low for what I was expecting for the Revs kind of signing a, you know, a, 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 their goalkeeper of the future um, that they you know seem to think is going to step right in for Matt Turner uh, internationally. So uh, that's a that's a seems to be at least, you know, we don't know what he's going to offer yet. We've seen him play one game for the first team, but that's a, a lot smaller of a contract than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and you know we've talked a lot about goalkeepers and not being the highest paid position compared to forwards and all that. And we've talked about Matt Turner and how he's his salary has kind of increased, but is kind of catching up to the average and the medians. And good keepers in this league really are you know around four hundred, five hundred thousand. And then the elite keepers or the ones that come over from Europe with established career like Braz Guzan and, and Tim Howard, uh, they're they're probably in the high six figures. Um, I wasn't totally shocked by the Petrovic number. Um, just because goalkeepers, I think that's a, a, a position that not a lot of MLS teams spend on. Um, but I do think for his resume, uh, for kind of a 
high prospect type. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised at that 225 number. I wonder if it's going to escalate, though. He's got a three-year contract with a one-year option. I wonder if that's going to escalate to you know, 275, 300 next year. And, and maybe, maybe there might be some higher escalators when he's expected to start. Uh, but yeah, 225 is a pretty reasonable contract for a goalkeeper. Uh, for context, Brad Knighton re-signed last year at 150 and 157.5. Uh, thousand so um yeah i mean he, he's only making about seventy five thousand more than brad knighton which is a bit surprising so uh good points there overall um i did want to kind of just go through some other number of other people to talk about uh there weren't a ton of surprises as we've, as we've already gone over but just to go over the newcomers uh sebastian legette uh, came in his salary is nine hundred thousand. total compensation is 1.02 million that's not a huge surprise he had a contract with la galaxy last year i don't think any of those numbers are too different uh we don't know dylan barrero's salary cap number but as a u22 player his salary cap hit uh at his age is one hundred fifty thousand. so not to say his salary doesn't matter, but his salary doesn't matter for cap purposes. Uh, so either way, uh, he, he fits in pretty nicely there. Uh, and then some extensions to go over. Brandon by went from 178000 to 344000 uh, which I think is pretty fine for a solid right back in MLS. Uh, Dewan Jones going from 100000 to 370000 uh, Similar feelings, maybe a little bit uh, of value there, considering Dewan Jones is... Uh, so highly regarded. Um, Carlos Hill uh, signed a contract extension last year, going from 2.77 million to 3.545 million. Gustavo Bo going from 2.12 million to 2.675 million. This is total compensation, by the way, not salary numbers. Uh, and then Matt Turner signed a uh, extension before last season. Um, his salary last year in 2021 was 375,000. This year it went up to 500,000. I don't know if that was part of the extension or if that was a proposed bump, but I know we talked about Matt Turner wanting a new contract and feeling he kind of deserved a raise. Uh, I think that that 500,000 number is more in line with kind of the established uh, top tier goalkeepers in the league. So um, I think that's a pretty reasonable price, probably good value there for Matt Turner. But uh, I, I think Matt Turner previously we talked about him making 375 and how that's a absolute steal uh 500,000 i think is a lot more in line with what you could expect for matt turner so um any any thoughts on the newcomers to the team or i, I know we've already talked on omar and petrovic but any of those numbers jump out to you the, the only thing i would add is the petrovic thing uh i know sean you were talking about not knowing what the the transfer fee was I don't know how accurate it is. Transfer markets reporting it as a one million dollar transfer fee, so that might play into the uh, uh, the salary, the, the cap hit. But otherwise, I think that two twenty five is a is a good number for Petrovic. Uh, uh, you know, you expect essentially he's a backup keeper right now. He's going to be the starter, uh, presumably. Uh, two twenty five, I think, is a good value for that. And one more th thing to add about Polster too, just because we touched on Polster, I, I want to note this is that his contract at the when he originally signed it, the daily record over in the UK mentioned he signed a 2.5 year contract through the 2022 season with a one one year option, a team option. So the Revs do have control over him next year, but considering how the Revs have been signing players a year ahead of their contract ending, I think Matt Polster might be someone in line for a contract extension slash raise, uh, maybe not in the, in the immediate future, but um, if we go into next season without a Matt Polster contract extension, I'd be a little surprised. 
Yeah, and I, I think he definitely deserves one too. He's been such a key part for the team. They can they cannot afford to to lose Matt Polster along with some of the other guys they've lost. So, um, I would I would hope that that's coming. That'd be very smart for the Revolution to do that. Uh, talking about the other contracts you talked about, I mean, I think Legit, there's no surprise there. He, I, I think he was on eight hundred thousand as his base salary last year. Um, so a hundred thousand increases is, is somewhat significant. Um, and then you know one point oh two million as his as his guaranteed top. Um, so, you know, that doesn't shock me, but, uh, you know, I don't think he's lived up to that salary yet. Um, still time for that to change. You know, talked about Captoom, you know, continues to be overpaid. No, no question there. Uh, trusts in up to 438,000. Um, you know, he's shown some signs recently, but that's still an overpay for him from, from what we've seen for sure. Um, I think Brandon by at, at 343,000 as an extension, I think, you know, I think he's paid about what he should be paid for a right back of his level. Uh, Dewan Jones at 370,000 as, you know, arguably the best left back in the league. Um, you know, he, he went up from what, 95,000 last year. So he got a huge increase, but I, I still think that's very good value for the revolution, given his contributions to the team. Um, you know, and then there's the, the smaller salaries like AJ De La Garza making 250,000. That's the same as last year. Um, you know, for a veteran, that's not surprising, but given his almost non-existent contributions, uh, it seems like a lot, especially when, you know, Tommy McNamara, another veteran that's, you know, playing regularly, he's making 240,000, um, you know. Boateng, 225000 That's a pretty good deal for the Revolution. Again, not a, not really a change from last year, um, given his contributions off the bench. But, you know, it's it's hard to quibble over kind of the, the smaller contracts when you're looking at it. And, you know, last one I just want to mention is, is Masial still only making, you know, $69,902. Um, you would have thought that was a good deal going into the season, but he hasn't actually contributed as much this year as, as I was expecting. So we'll see what happens there. But um, for a guy that, you know, started some games last year, that, that was a really good bargain. And before we go, uh, before we move on, I, I do want to touch on the Josie Altador contract because that is what a, a talking point that a lot of people are discussing. There's a lot of context, a lot of question marks around it. So I'm just kind of going to run down what we know. Uh, the numbers came out. Josie Altador is at $3.7 million in salary, $4.3 million in compensation. Um, before these numbers came out, what we knew about this, it was reported by Jeff Carlisle at ESPN that his contract was $5 million over three years. So I was a little surprised we saw 3.7. I was kind of expecting we'd see 1.6. But the buyout number is included in this somehow. TFC reportedly paid $4.5 million in a buyout. um, And and apparently they're paying a percentage of his salaries in year one and year two. Uh, So I don't know if this is front-loaded. I don't know if this $5 million is spread out as 3.7 in year one and 800,000 in year two and 800,000 in year three. That would make a little bit more sense that the Revs contracting year three is a lot less than this $3.7 million number. At least I hope so. Um, I don't know if this $4.5 million is lumped into year one. I I don't really know how this is distributed out at all. Um, But Josie's contract last year, he was at 2.1 million in salary, 3.6 million in total compensation. So these numbers did go up. You have to think this is inflated inflated, um, because of the TFC buyout. And if they're also paying a percentage of salaries on top of that. So we don't really know what the revs are responsible for. We don't know how good of a deal or how bad of a deal this is. Um, but it certainly is inflating up those, the, the revs, uh, you know, wage bill totally. The revs are, are up to fourth in the league. Um, because really because of this contract, I think it makes up 23% of their total wage bill. Um, and I think Josie Altador is something like the 10th highest paid player in the league or the eighth highest paid player in the league or something like that. So, um, Certainly a very misleading number. He's he's fifth highest paid player in the league with that total guaranteed comp money. (laughs) It's certainly a very inflated number. And uh, if you don't have that additional context, um, I I think you're, you're, 
going to lose your mind. Uh, but, but really those numbers, you really have to throw them in the trash because TFC is paying for what I assume is the overwhelming majority uh, of this contract. So uh, at least in year one, I'll, I'll be curious to see if next year, if the numbers kind of reflect down, you know, if the TFC buyout money is front loaded or something like that, it, you know, I, I'm very surprised to see what the 2023 and 2024 numbers are. I can't imagine it's anywhere close to this. So um, I, Chris, did you have any reaction to the Josie numbers? I know Sean talked about it a little. Do you have any thoughts on top of that? No, not really. It's just it's it's really hard to get a a solid read as to what the impact is on the on the cap hit. What is what percentage of the revs are actually paying? I know all of this stuff has been really clouded and not really much transparency from the league or from the revolution as far as how this is actually being broken down. So that's that's really my takeaway. Is like I just I still. I'm just looking at a number and it doesn't really mean anything to me. I, I don't know if I'm upset or happy about it. So, I mean, the, the maximum the revolution could be paying right now is 1.612 million because that's the TAM maximum. and He's not a designated player. So we don't we don't know whether the revs are paying that or significantly less than that. But that's the maximum they could be paying. Um, I mean, I think right now, based on his contributions to the revs, whatever they're paying is too much. Uh, but it's a long time for that to change. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what it actually is, but I mean, you know, if, if they're paying 1.612 million, um, you know, that's a lot less than 4.2 million, but it's still way too much based on what he's done so far for the revolution. And we still don't know when or if he's ever going to be fully fit. Uh, Bruce Arena keeps extending that timeline for when Josie Altador is actually going to be fit enough to, you know, to, to contribute normally. Um, and then he's, you know, out with soreness and not listed on the injury report. So, um, you know, a, a, a lot to be concerned about with Josie Altador, regardless of what that salary is. <laughs> Agreed 100%, and it'll be interesting to see uh, the rest of this year and, and going forward. I, I don't think this really answered many questions for us. Uh, if anything, it raised more questions. So uh, one person, too. We talked about best and worst values. I, I think I could make the argument here. Best value on the team, Adam Buxa, $1.1 million total compensation. Uh, is there any argument for that? Uh, Sean, best value on the team, question mark? Um, I mean, I, I might still go with Polster, but Buxa is certainly right up there. That's a, a really good value given how many goals he scored and, and how good he's been for the Revolution. Um, and I think the Revolution needs to do what they can to try to keep him through the end of the season because if their ambitions are to win anything this year, I think I think Buxa needs to be a part of it. Chris, you're pro Buxa. Tell me he's the best value on the team. Yeah, sure. I'll go with that. He's the best value on the team, 100%. Uh, he's got six goals in five games for in, in league games. I think it's six straight games including all all competitions that he's scored in now uh, and that's i think eight goals in six games so uh it's just the way he's performed so far this year yeah 110 percent. that's the uh the best value you'll pay 1.1 million for that every time you will never not pay that amount of money for that sort of production um and you know as much as you need a matt bolster in midfield uh or in the defensive midfield and you need a a Henry Kessler on the back line to to stop the ball from going in the net. You can't win games without putting the the ball in the other net. So uh, I think 1.1 million for Adam Buxa is an absolute steal. And then Sean, you talked about whether or not he's going to be going, and you think the Revs need to try to hold on to him. I really feel like Bruce has been getting us ready for the transition from Adam Buxa to Josie Altador, and I hope I am wrong with that. But he keeps talking about. July timeframe for Josie Altador. That's when he's going to be ready. That's what his goal is, is to have Josie ready by July. Well, the secondary transfer window opens July 7th. And that kind of really makes me a little nervous that maybe 
uh, maybe there is a move coming. There's been a lot of rumors about Adam Buxa having interest over in Europe. Um, I, I feel like we're not going to have Adam Buxa on this team for much longer. Um, and I, I genuinely can't say how wrong I hope I am about that. Well, that's a conversation for another day. I, I think I've kind of been leaning the other way that I think the refs need to hold on to him, but they need—they do need to. Yes, I just—they're oh, they're not winning a trophy this year without Adam Buxa. I, I, I could feel very confident in that, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Very different discussion we're having compared to two years ago after Adam Buxa's first season where he struggled, but uh, now he's kind of elevated himself to one of the more important pieces on this team. Uh, and you know, right now the chatter there's chatter over in Turkey heating up. Uh, with Mazikas, uh, I'm probably butchering that team as name as well. Uh, but there is a lot of chatter over there that they are pushing for him hard. So uh, yeah, I mean that that's certainly going to be one to watch. But when Adam Books is sold, it's it's really interesting. We talk about Bruce Arena and how he's missed uh, and whiffed on on his last two postseasons. The Adam Buxa deal is looking better and better. I mean, if they sell him for ten million dollars, which is what I think I estimated last podcast, ten to twelve million. You know, his transfer fee was four million. They paid one point one million. Million, uh, in compensation over three years, uh, they're going to get more than what they paid, not just as transfer fee, but transfer fee and salary. Uh, so uh, I, I think we're going to look back and look at the Buxa move as one of Bruce's better moves during his revolution tenure when it's all said and done. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up, though, while we're talking about summer transfer moves is that I don't know if you guys have realized this. The revolution roster is currently at uh, 28. That does not include Edward Kizza, who is on loan, and it does not include uh, Esmir. Uh, but right now, the Revolution have two supplemental roster spots, which won't do them much good in the summer. Maybe they'll add Esmir, or maybe they'll add another player. Uh, but right now, the senior roster spot, there are 20 senior roster spots. Um, the supplemental roster spots is the bottom 10 roster spots, which if you don't have not listened to our long spiel about this before, it's essentially super draft picks. Homegrown players, Academy products promoted, Revs 2 products promoted. Uh, so the senior roster spots, if you're going to bring in a player from a different team, uh, an international player, they're going to go to the senior roster. Right now the senior roster is full. Matt Turner is going to be going to Arsenal, so that'll open up one senior roster spot. But I don't see a lot of a ton of wiggle room between some overinflated salaries that'll be tough to get off the books uh, and just players that I think are key players to this team. So I'm actually, after going through the salary data and looking at the roster as a whole, I'm not totally sure we're going to have that busy of a summer in terms of transfer uh, and bringing in new players. And it's tough to tell how much salary they can add to because of the Josie Altidore. We have really no idea how much budget space the Revs have. It's pretty impossible to predict. But just looking at the numbers in terms of how full the roster is, uh, I'm not expecting a a massive transfer window. Uh, Sean, do you have any thoughts about you know, if the Revs have kind of tied themselves up with a lack of, to borrow a, a term from our old friend Mike Burns, a lack of roster flexibility. Yeah, I mean, they have. And I think I talked about in the offseason, too. I, I don't think there is much flexibility with this roster right now. So, you know, you're looking across the roster um, and, and what do they need to do? I think they got to try their best to find a way to offload cap to them. Um, you can't buy him out midseason. Well, you could, but it would be counting against your salary cap. So that'd be kind of pointless. Um, but, you know, is there a team out there that would take him on a, free transfer or a very reduced rate maybe if you could find that i think that would that that would do a lot for your team um and open up a lot of possibilities and you know of course if buxa goes there's a a a dp spot to fill um as long as well as you know an international spot that opens up uh but as you know as we discussed you know i i can't see the revolution replacing buxa with a player that can contribute as much as buxa at least not this season 
Um, so I don't think I think that's the type of flexibility you don't want to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, just looking at this roster, I think the Revolution needs to try to find a way to get somebody to take Wilfred Cap to him. And you know, maybe there is a a team over in Europe that would, you know, maybe an English Championship team or something that would probably not, but maybe, maybe some sort of team over there that would take him on a free transfer or a very small transfer fee. Um, and if I'm the Revolution, I'm trying to do anything possible to to find a way to move him um, and get him off the books. And you know, Tristan too, I think he's playing better. Um, but you know, if that's not sustained, it's been you know, two games of better play. It's not, a, not a whole lot to go by. If that's not sustained, I think he's another guy that, that maybe you consider finding a way to kind of you know, cut, cut bait and move him for, you know, less than what you paid for him, um, just to open up some flexibility. But yet, right now, unless they do something like that, there's, there's not much room to maneuver. Yeah, and Tristison too, there were some talks and rumors of him maybe looking to move back to Sweden. He has a two-year contract with one team option next year. I can't imagine the team option will be exercised, but maybe they are able to work out something with a team in Sweden where they release him on a free if he wants to go and start the season there. Um, nothing's really come of it, though, so I don't want to put too much weight on that. Uh, it was really more of a rumor than a report, So, um, but that might be a slot that opens up. Other than that, though, just going down the list, um, I mean, Ima Boateng, I, I think, is too valuable to this team to let him go. AJ De La Garza is on 250. Maybe someone needs backline depth desperately. Uh, maybe they've had injuries and would like a veteran uh, right back. Um, maybe you can you know, move him. Um, outside of that, I don't, I don't know who else. I can't imagine anyone's going after Omar Gonzalez. Um, Captoom, that, that's such a big contract. Brad Knighton's interesting because the Revs will have four keepers after Matt Turner leaves. And Brad Knighton will be, he's on the senior roster, whereas Earl Edwards Jr. is up, occupy, occupying a supplemental roster spot because he's on a um, senior minimum salary. Uh, you can move down to the supplemental roster if you take a minimum salary, a league minimum salary. Uh, so Earl Edwards Jr., you know, by default might be safe uh, and Knighton, maybe, maybe a team is interested in him as, as a quality backup. Um, and I think Tommy McNamara is at 240, maybe a team takes him, uh, but he's been getting valuable minutes with the Revs. So um, I, I go up and down this list. I don't know if there's any good trade candidates for the revolution off of this senior roster. So uh, Chris, any thoughts about uh, the summer transfer window and the lack of roster flexibility here right now? I mean, it's definitely tight, but I think, you know, once Matt Turner's off the books, that opens up one spot. Just the one spot alone, how are you going to use that? Is that even going to be used? Uh, in my opinion, I I made this shout earlier in the season, um, randomly looking for a player, because I think the Revolution desperately needs some some defensive help. They need, they need depth that's not going to be a liability. And I went and I found Tristan Blackman from Vancouver, he is making three hundred fifty thousand uh, base salary, four hundred thousand guaranteed compensation. I think he would be an excellent fit. I'm going to still lobby for Tristan Blackman. I think a trade of some sort would benefit the Revs in that situation. Vancouver's dead last, so I'm sure they're going to be looking to make some moves as well. Uh, and as far as that, you know, that hypothetical situation goes, uh, aside from that, Brad Knighton, I think, is the other thing with the revs as far as trying to make some space. So uh, assuming the revs can make some sort of move to bring in some sort of defensive uh, help, then they're going to be locked up again. I don't know if they're even going to do that. Um, but yeah, Brad Knighton, I think is the only other obvious one, or uh, I like the, the honor Tristan comments because I, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier that Tristan's contract is not necessarily a favorable one uh, considering his production uh, it, it kind of gets overshadowed with some other players on this roster that are making far more, I think, than what they they should be making. 
Um, so I'm glad that Tristan was brought up in that uh, in that regard as well. That you know he's just not making uh, the impact that his salary shows. So maybe that Tristan move could open something up. Um, but really, I'm just kind of repeating everything you guys are saying. There isn't a isn't a lot of wiggle room, um, and I think they, the the Revs really need to be looking to get some midfield and defensive depth. I think defense is priority, uh, but midfield they're going to need something as well. Unless Barrero pr- provides that. But, I mean, we still don't really know what, what uh, he's going to provide. Yeah, it'll be very frustrating if we go two summers uh, without any improvements. I think I was certainly shocked and disappointed with the lack of movement last year. Uh, and, and it seems like this year they are going to need more pieces to fix this team. Uh, and it doesn't look like they are in a great position to do so uh, just in terms of roster space. So, Sean, where can people find you on social media? And do you have any final thoughts before we depart here today? Yeah, you can find me at Sean Aldonahue and just going back to the the point on Twitter and just going back to the point that we were making about Tristerson. I, I do think if you're looking between Tristerson and Captoom that if you were going to try to open up a roster spot that Tristerson is probably more movable than Captoom and not necessarily because of his salary, but because he is still a guy that's getting caps for the Icelandic national team. So it's not like he's going to be a guy that's under everyone's radar. Um, what he said, three caps, I think, in 2022. So. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if there was an opportunity for the revolution to move on from Chris's and not for not for big money, but maybe for a you know, small transfer fee um, recoup at least some of what they paid for him. Um, and, you know, if, if that opportunity was out there, I think that would be a smart direction for the revolution to go. And despite the fact that I do think he's performed you know, better in the past couple of games than we've seen, um, but he's still got a long way to go to live up to that salary. Chris, where can people find you on social media? And do you have any final thoughts before we leave here today? Yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at Chris Lucas. And then uh, my final thoughts, I think, is uh, just the the summer transfer window. What's going to happen there? I know last season nothing happened, and we ended up talking a lot about it uh, going into the postseason last year as to where's that difference maker. Uh, th- that difference maker did not come to the team. The Reds uh, showed a lot of vulnerability and uh, ended up obviously losing to uh, New York City. So. Uh, maybe something happens this this transfer window. I'd love to see something because uh, you can't just uh, stand pat when you're struggling as much as you are. Uh, a, a lot of changes I think need to happen. So uh, that's my final thought. I hope something happens. Um, not hopeful it does, but I I, I am hoping. Uh, that's a, a weird uh, statement to make, but. And before we go, I just want to kind of note that a lot of people are going to point out that the Revolution are, I think I mentioned this earlier, but the Revolution are, I think, fourth in total team spending uh, in MLS salaries. Uh, they are uh, right behind uh, Atlanta United, LA Galaxy, Inter Miami, and then it's the New England Revolution at $18.1 million. Uh, That's also going to change. Uh, TFC will soon shoot past them. But um, with that additional context of Josie Outdoor, TFC is footing a lot of that bill. So I guess TFC actually probably is already ahead of the Revolution. Uh, but uh, if you take the out the Josie Althor contract, the Revolution are kind of right nestled with uh, FC Cincinnati and Austin FC around 12th in the league. So their salaries have gone up. Uh, we mentioned the players that got significant salary bumps uh, in the off season. They added Sebastian Legette, uh and and really didn't lose any major salary. So a salary bump was expected. Uh, but before you start to think that Robert Kraft is really investing in this team and we're going to be high spenders uh, in MLS, um, we're really more middle of the pack. And if you've ever heard my spiel before, um, you know, if you're looking at total investment, you also have to consider transfer fees. You have to consider investment off the field. You have to consider the uh, front office, the scouting network, uh, the academy, uh, because 
at the end of the day, um, you know, these salaries, we're talking about a difference of a few million dollars and there's going to be a lot more spent off the field than on the field. So just wanted to talk about that. There's going to be that narrative about Kraft now investing in this team. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of context surrounding that as well. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap. You can follow our Revolution Recap Instagram and Facebook pages. Please be sure to follow our friends at The Bent Musket on Twitter at The Bent Musket and follow their work online at www.thebentmusket.com for year-round coverage of the team. Also, be sure to follow our friends at The Rebellion on Twitter and go to anyrebellion.org to learn more about them and how you can get involved with the supporters groups. Uh, and also be sure to check out our sponsor, Galasso Kits, and use our promo code REVSRECAP for 15% off your order. That is GalassoKits.com. Make sure you follow them on Twitter as well and on Instagram. Uh, again, no episode this weekend. We are unable to do a recap of the Cincinnati game. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be doing a podcast following the U.S. Open Cup game. Uh, we will let you guys know on Twitter uh, when we'll be back with our next episode. But until we have another episode, thank you everyone for listening, and go REVS.